Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. And welcome to Get the Table. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick from What Culture. We are the Dadly Boys of hey. What Culture here to discuss another burning wrestling issue, and that issue today is the AEW and WWE wrestlers that will jump ship in 2024. Now, Sidg, this conversation has obviously been going on recently uh, with Jay Cargill going to WWE and speculation particularly recently, about Edge possibly going in the other direction. Indeed, yes. We don't know if they will jump in 2024, just to clarify that. <laughs> just to square it straight <laughs> off the bat. It's a bit of a sexed-up title, the sexed-up dossier. Um, but I, it's people I think could very much do with a change of scenery, and Edge, uh, who obviously is the impetus mm-hmm. behind this conversation, um, is probably the best bet, like... He's done some very, very good things upon returning to WWE... I am the low guy on this return run. I think, if anything, it's lowered his stock as, like, a Hall of Fame talent and a legend. I think a lot of his promos have been very, very earnest and almost teetering on cringeworthy, and that is before the, I think, widely accepted disaster that was the original incarnation of Judgment Day. Mm -hmm. I don't think anyone was really sort of about that realistically, and to... WWE's credit, I guess they quickly pivoted. There's something about Edge in this return run where he was just devoid of the charisma and patter and that really sort of brash energy of old. Obviously, he was going to return as a babyface, Mm -hmm. as this beloved legend who you thought had gone away forever. Obviously, he was going to be a babyface. Obviously, they were going to draw on the sympathy, the can he still do it? And it just went on and on and on and on and on. And I got got some great matches out of it. Um, certainly, I think the matches with Seth Rollins mm-hmm. peaked out excellent. But my God, it just wasn't remotely entertaining. It was so dry and serious. And the gravity of it all, I was just crushed under, under the weight of it, to great. be honest. Great, Jesus Christ. And the thing about Edge, and this is the irony of ironies, is that he kind of Billy Gunned his run. He was, like, not entertaining, and he used to be such a patter merchant, really funny Mm. bloke. Like, his impression of Ric Flair was one of the best versions of that, like, one of my favorite tropes. Wrestlers dressing up and just lampooning other wrestlers. Just got such an absolute hard-on for it. I love it. (laughs) Um, I want that edge back. I don't think that edge can currently exist in the WWE system because it's all very melodramatic. If you look at what Christian has done, and obviously they once upon a time shared a similar sense of humor, 
and what he's done in AEW and how he's fleshed out this wonderful turtleneck era of his, I think Edge can sort of rediscover his old comedy chops in like sort of a dark and sinister way, uh, perhaps, in AEW. There's a nervousness around Edge going to AEW because of all of that that Sid has mentioned about the WWE run. It's weird, isn't it? Like, when he came back in 2020 at the Rumble, you can picture now, as we're talking about it, the face that he's pulling. Yeah. Just soaking in the moment as everybody else was with him. It was awesome. But then that face stuck around for three years. They kind of told him, do that face, always. And it was like, no, that face was representative of one moment, this moment. And then when the Randy Orton WrestleMania match was as, I was just going to say, universally derided, but I think of a, of a couple of accounts, I <laughs> love it. Uh, but like, the almost universally de- 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 sort of, derided WrestleMania match that then undermined what he could do as a wrestler. It was a sort of one-two punch that knocked Edge out for quite a while. There have been these fleeting moments. I can understand thus why people think that the AW run is going to be this disaster. No, no, he shouldn't come in. It's, it's all wrong. I'm the opposite. I can't see a version of Edge, not least because of what Christian's up to, that won't be great. Mm. I think you either get him as a sardonic heel that joins Christian in kind of still being a bit too cynical and sarcastic for this world, or you have the baby-faced version of Christian that is exactly the man to topple him, to stop this just, I know this is a like ugly term in wrestling now, this reign of terror, this just like campaign <laughs> of abuse that Christian has gone on in this last year or so. Edge is also set as the perfect guy to stop him. There's a lot of fun to be had, and because it's AEW, it doesn't need to be this forever move. Like You can see a lot of wrestlers thinking, there's fun to be had in AEW, but it doesn't need to be... Not everyone needs to get a five-year contract. Yeah. There's no harm in a one- or a two-year deal or a few shows that are laid out. You can tell one story and be done if you want, which Edge might want, you know. Um, I don't know. I feel like it's a more flexible and malleable like opportunity than maybe people realise. I completely welcome it, especially right now with where Christian's at. A lot mm. of fun to be had. It doesn't yeah. need to be a forever deal. It feels slightly insensitive to talk about people going the other way from AWWE in the midst of all these WWE releases, but we have seen Jade Cargill follow in Cody Rhodes' footsteps. Um, yet to see where, at least at the time of recording, where she's going to end up. But who else do you think could be uh, moving from AEW to WWE? It feels like an obvious one and has done since those, you know, quite unfairly leaked video camera pictures surfaced. But Ricky Starks right now, despite the kind of recovery job mm-hmm. that has happened with him from the punk feud into this Brian miniseries he's in, and what I believe are maybe even better things to come for this heel character now. Uh, he was always a Cody guy and was obviously loyal enough to be there for him in person at the Royal Rumble. I don't think there's any harm in being there for your friends if you're not required to be at work. But obviously that footage did get out and it did create a narrative around mm. Starks potentially moving, especially when things weren't going well for him in AEW. He has shown that he's got all the tools, but AEW over the last couple of years, due to the roster bloat, hasn't necessarily rewarded that in the way that it used to. You kind of think a Ricky Starks in 2019 would have got there a lot faster than he ultimately has over these last few years. It's been far from a bad run, but there's just been a few potholes. And I think he's a guy that has enough skills that WWE will obviously love. Look, he came in, like he kind of blossomed in 2020, 2021, endless comparisons to The Rock, like the most electrifying man, this sports entertainer mold guy. Mm. Starks has got a lot of that. And I just think you just sense that like WWE would know what to do to maximize those qualities. Um, He would embarrass the likes of an Austin Theory, possibly a Grayson Waller, maybe even an LA Knight, because he has all these things, but then so much more when the bell rings. And with Triple H at least still in the chair, assuming that he remains that way, 
he does like his in-ring as much as he likes his star power. It would have mattered less once upon a time, mm. but he wants a bit of that when the bell rings as well. He feels like a good fit. It's a different conversation we would have been having about Ricky Starks to say six months ago. It seemed a lot more uh, likely, Sige. Mm. Do you, would you say, like, Wardlow's in that position a little bit now as well? Potentially, I want to say one thing about Ricky Starks mm-hmm. before we talk about Wardlow, and that is, right, I'm going to try and phrase this carefully because it's a bit of a criticism of Starks, who I think is fantastic, so I don't want to go in, like, two-footed or, like, make an, a, a bad point about him, right? Because I would take a wrestler who flubs every now and then with his brilliant storytelling, his ability to emote, his wonderful promo skills, his, like, just debonair charisma. I would take someone like Ricky Starks who can flub on occasion over, like, thousands, and no, no hyperbole, <laughs> thousands of, like, slightly smoother, exponentially more boring wrestlers. But with Starks, he gets so, like, in the moment of his promos that every now and then he can get a bit flustered. And obviously the strap match was this instant classic. But even in that big match he had um, against Punk on Collision, there was, like, a really sort of, oh, like an immersion-breaking botch. And it kind of happened in the Winter is Coming match with MGF. And all of this is to state that maybe if he's really working, like, three times a week, that can get ironed out of him because he's gone from the Indies to AEW once, maybe sometimes twice a week. Like, maybe on the big stage, he really needs that just bang, 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 like, three times a week to just, like, to go from a 9.5 to a 10. It's the nicest possible way I can put it. Wardlow, God knows what's going on there. He feels finished. I hate to say it. um, We, on this podcast, were like, we raved, which you can listen to on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, wherever you get your podcasts from, like, for three years. Like, even the way he moved his hand, in that lashing yes. segment. We just still love that. We invested in him. We talked him up. I thought at one point he had all the potential in the world. And the thing with Wardlow is I don't necessarily think it's a case of his momentum got halted and he got fumbled and it's a big, huge, like, promotional malpractice. Like, I don't necessarily think that he has the the in-ring style that is the... AEW audience just kind of demands at the main event level. I don't know if he's a bit too one-dimensional for it. I don't know if he necessarily got a chance to flesh his sort of ring style out to evolve. Maybe it's a combination of things. But in WWE, as we've seen from the Roman defenses, and this is not a criticism, this absolutely works for an audience that has expanded to a, a remarkable extent. If you look at the big Roman Reigns matches, they don't care necessarily about moves and content in matches the same way that the AEW mm. base does. Um, you can just do things very slowly, pick the perfect dramatic time to then do the actual moves, bump a ref and then do some acting. <laughs> like I know that's reductive, but yeah. Wardlow doesn't necessarily have the most exciting move set. And he's a really good character actor. Mm. Like he genuinely yes. was. If you watched him in the background, like he was really compelling. Yeah, everyone's eyes were drawn to Wardlow, even when he was doing something silly like having this sort of staring contest with Jake Hager. Like, he's a really good wrestling actor, and that is what WWE seems to be prioritizing in its main event scene in 2023. So ultimately, I think Wardlow, at this point in his career, a total no-brainer to jump. 
There's a the cool thing, and you know we said this from EW launching. Really, one of the cool things of having a, a proper challenger brand is that even when jumps don't work or you know transfers don't work, you kind of want to look at it to see if it might. Mm. Like there's there's another place where a wrestler can go and play the trade and potentially get over in a completely different context. WWE, and I'm not just making this comparison because they were both huge guys in singlets, or because I know he's a big fan of the challenge, high Ryback. Like, they've captured lightning in a bottle with Ryback, yeah? doing not loads. Wardlow's ten times better. But more than enough. And Wardlow is better. Again, so's Ryback. Love your work. But, like, he's an, another guy that with very little, like, Ryback was able to, like, take a good gimmick and make it feel great. Draw with it as well. Like, absolutely, there's objective evidence to suggest that Ryback was working up to a point. And Wardlow's probably got more in his locker. He's got way more in his locker. Like, I don't know if he would look. I'd be interested to see how big he looks in WWE because there is that jump thing where yeah. I was thinking of Rhino, but there are millions of other examples. Like, whereas Ryback had that size even when he was like an NXT rookie. So the size thing could be an issue. We I will think see. WWE would make him look bigger. And I think that's it. They know how to present and all that sort of stuff. It can just work. Like, uh, that one little catchphrase or that one little look, as Sidge points out, that you instantly remember and then they replay and drill down and make him do it over and over again. There's, a, you know, a factory of heels that can be fed to him that they've proven to be really good at, like with far worse performers than both Wardlow and Ryback, you know. Um, there was a lot of comparisons, obviously, at the time when Wardlow was coming up with Jeff to Batista. And I don't think they were, like, not without merit either. Like, Batista, when he was coming up in that run, was far from the complete performer he became. But he knew how to use his acting skills and his facials and things like that. Wardlow's done all of that. He's kind of graduated that class with MJF. So they could pretty much, like, take a guy that's maybe 2005 Batista ready and get him going. It's, again, it's one of them ones I want to look at. I don't think it's a guaranteed hit, but I'd really like to watch them try. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast, and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com acast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Before we go any further, if you are enjoying watching this video podcast, I should point out that we're going to be doing plenty more over on the What Culture Wrestling 
podcast channel, which has just launched. Uh, what Culture Wrestling Podcast, just search for that on YouTube. We'll stick a link in the description as well. Go there, subscribe. We'll be doing more of these discussions and weekly reviews and previews of all the wrestling shows. Uh, so if you're a fan of this sort of thing, it's not only available as a podcast, but now it will soon be available as a video podcast. Uh, Hamlet, we talked about Jay Cargill going to uh, WWE uh, many times. Let's talk about filling that void in the AEW women's division and who you're worried that WWE could lose for that. Uh, Bailey is one of my all-time favorite wrestlers, but it would I'd be lying to anybody watching this or listening to this if I say that like, the last couple of years haven't been a massive disappointment. Like Post-comeback, uh, there weren't many people in all of wrestling I was excited to make a return from an injury than Bailey when the crowds came back. She was kind of robbed of that, not just at WrestleMania when they didn't use her mm. when she'd carry the pandemic, but then getting injured. Like the show she was going to work was Money in the Bank, the first show back with crowds, and she got injured for that specific show. It felt like the worst look, and yet she's been brought back. They have persisted with a heel character that clearly there is so much evidence to support now, like suited the empty arena more than it suits crowds. Like... The turn at the time was welcome because they'd botched that babyface character. Mm-hmm. But the time came in 2021 to get her back as a babyface, even if damage control needed exist as a short-term thing to get her there. They haven't done it. This character is played out. I don't think I know what this character is anymore. She's one of many that is underserved by bad creative of this women's division in WWE. Um, <laughs> and I'm not saying AEW is the place to fix that, but it certainly rewards great wrestlers through gritted teeth. Tony Storm has become the ace of the women's division in AEW because there has been a constant flow of fantastic matches. Jamie Hayter was on her way to doing that because of a constant flow of fantastic matches. Only Britt Baker, and I like Britt Baker's work, but there wasn't a constant flow of fantastic matches. Only Britt Baker has done that without that in yeah. ring. I sense Bailey could do it. We have to talk about like somebody she could potentially link up with as well if she got there. And... It's never a catch-all fix for the women's division in AEW, but they can always welcome in a talent like a Bailey, somebody that can just like shore up the work, even if she's out there to lose more than she is to win. Look, I'm not having a go, but Madison Rain was brought in as a coach, and then there was this immediate movement of, great, you can throw her out there, she can have these great matches. And they didn't really deliver. For the longest time, Ruby Soho was the same. I think... Bailey is a safer pair of hands than the two of them to have these matches, even if after a short run, it's mainly to help elevate. She loves elevating women in WWE, even though they should have been using her more. She's like the amount of jobs Bailey does, it doesn't really get talked about because she seems welcome to do it, trying to elevate others. Loads of women speak about how much Bailey has helped them. Like, if for nothing else, like she's that figure in AEW after a short run, I think she'd be kind of amazing for that locker room. What do you reckon to that? And I was going to press the button for a theme, but then I remembered we're on YouTube now, and I do not want to get another <laughs> no. copyright strike, so I'm not going to press the money button <laughs> as to whether that would be the convincing factor to get Bailey to jump over. And who else would you like to see from the WWE Women's Division potentially come to AEW? Right off the bat, I, I it's weird. Like Tony Khan and AEW just don't seem to care that much about women's wrestling. So, like, for whatever, I don't think I can manifest anything. Mm. I don't have that power. But would I wish it upon them? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's just so apathetic. There's some good stuff within AEW's women's booking. Like, this Tony Storm character, for example, is absolutely tremendous. But we've been here before. We were here with Britt Baker in 2020 and 2021. A magnificent character worker. And yet... No one else seemed to get the spot. It was always, you know, the one match per week, like the two segments, that sort of that 
woman's universe where you got a backstage promo, a match, and then maybe something else, and it's back onto them. And all together. All together. Yeah. Yeah. Just bundle them up together, put them over there. Yeah. Um, I, it's one of those where, remember when the grass was greener, and we were like, oh, get Miro over, mm-hmm. well, Rusev at the time, over, such and such over, FTR over. Not once did I say, I'll oh, get one of the women over, because it wouldn't be fair on them, because, you know, it's kind of a... It's just really hard to get over because of the apathy and the fans have been conditioned. If they would improve and care more and produce more, like I'm a massive, massive asker mark. Always have been, always will be. And yet this year, I don't know, I don't think this reinvention has worked out. I feel like it's a literal lick of paint, Mm. very little more. I think she's meant to be a little bit unhinged and sinister and the clown makeup, she just comes across. She used to have this like really nice sort of impish charm I cringe watching Asuka now. I don't like to do that. I, I love her. I think she's wonderful. But it just, aura has evaporated. The work isn't as snappy. It doesn't feel like someone's going to die when they're in the ring with her. Like, Asuka's going to kill you. Those days are gone. Maybe, with the way that AEW, I'm not saying she's anywhere near a sting level. But AEW tends to do such a fantastic job of laying out matches and really protecting wrestlers. Like, I just think she would really, really do well there. And I know Kenny Omega's an absolutely huge fan. He mm-hmm. would hopefully vouch for her. I just think it's time. Asuka's been in that system so long that she's been totally, woefully normalized. With the apathy you mentioned there in the AW Women's Division, is there a danger more people go the same way as Jade Cargill? Yeah, and do you know what? They deserve it. An absolute self-inflicted wound that they have been picking at the scab for four Yes, if other people, other women in that AEW women's division jump from AEW to WWE, like, I would not blame them one bit. Like, uh, the WWE women's division is hardly fantastic. I feel like some of the scripting is cringeworthy. If nothing else, and it is very little else, you're probably going to get work. You're going to get to do the thing you love more often. There's way more parity. Um, I, I couldn't blame them at all if they follow in Jade Cargill's footsteps and you know, it's one of those where hopefully it does become a problem because it needs to be addressed at yeah. some point. And if there's a talent exodus, then that might finally get them to just wake up. Sidge uh, said this is obviously pure speculation on our behalf in terms of who's going to jump ship in 2024. As we bring this to a close, Hamlet, any other wild picks you've got uh, for switching sides? Um, well, we were just, you know, kind of talking about this before we recorded, but like a sky blue springs to mind. To build on the point about the women's yeah. division, not because, like, it's odd. We've like we've talked about the, a lot of the releases from WWE and how like overexposure probably harmed them. The women's division doesn't have that problem, but the lack of exposure is a huge problem. And you see, like, Sky Blue's trajectory is one that many have experienced. Where Anna J for one, yeah, you were made, you were kind of told to feel something for these people, and then they performed to that level. So you over maybe a two three week period, you kind of establish a bit of a bond and a bit of a relationship. Then they lose the big match that that was built for, and then they disappear, and then your time feels wasted. So the next time you go through that process, it's a bit less because you're doing it a bit more arm's length, and you don't want to kind of, you're kind of not rewarded for your investment. You haven't seen that push paid off in any meaningful way. Anna Jay, again, with youth on her side, quite an incredible performer for how little experience she's got. We use the kind of the cage match yeah. profile as an example. Like when some of these wrestlers have got one page on cage match and are performing at that level in a televised spot they're almost not getting enough praise for how good they are for the level of expectation. If you look at their NXT women's division, there's a lot of different levels and there's too many ACL injuries. 
but there's a load of exposure for so many women all at the same time, and the cream will rise to the top. We were kind of cooing on this week's NXT podcast over Lola Vice. Yeah, getting really one match. good, really accomplished. You know, Roxanne Perez isn't having a great year, but she got a bigger pop than everybody on the main she roster. She was and the women's very team. indie honed though. She, but like, yeah, I guess like sort of there was a bit of seasoning. And to my point, like seasoning is a lot what all a lot of these AW women need. So Sky Blue is a one, but there are many that could easily be dropped into this either NXT or main Ross system have that little bit of seasoning be good to go it's the schedule in AEW is completely incompatible with the progress of its younger talents we've been here so often private party like they just didn't get the reps they were so exciting but also very raw never really worked out for them and again we've seen it time and time with the women's division like remember Hikaru Shida versus Penelope Ford from Fighter Fest 2020 oh. that match was unbelievable yeah. Why didn't they just do way more with Penelope Ford after the fact she stagnated? Anna Jay stagnated. She seems to wrestle every six weeks. What do you expect? Mm. Ford is criminal. Ford only has good matches and is never awarded for Yeah, no, it's yeah. odd. It really is odd. Anna Jay, again, has really impressed in bursts, but without those reps, without it becoming, like, really natural to you. Like, obviously, I don't wrestle, but I do write, mm. and I remember, like, when I used to go weeks without writing, it's like I've almost forgotten the skill. Like, you just need to keep doing it and get in the zone of doing it and get better and better and better. And I, again, I've never stepped foot in a ring. That might not be a decent analogy, but that's how you improve at something. Go at it again, again, again. Refine, refine, refine. And you cannot get those reps in the AEW system. You just cannot do it. And someone like Sky Blue, I fear, who has really significantly improved. When was her last TV match? She had some of those Chicago dates. Mm-hmm. Um, in and around the launch of Collision, when was the last time she was on telly? Again, she'll she'll pop back up in like October and November, yeah. and then she'll go away again in December and January. Like she's got real talent, so why not make the jump? I wonder now how different the conversations are in the Nightmare Factory with the success of Cody Rhodes jumping. You know, like those trainees that once upon a time would have been funneled direct into AEW. This is not me pitching for, like, Keith Marshall to finally get the big WWE back. But, like, there are people within that training school that now very clearly have two options because they've got Cody in the DMs and they've got QT already <laughs> within AEW. Yeah. Like, and I'm not saying Cody's down there every day getting in amongst it, but, you know, he still goes down there and sits with the trainees. Dustin Rhodes... He's not tapping anyone up. Like, Dustin Rhodes may, like, see out his AEW deal and be like, how's it going back up there? You know, he's familiar there. Gold yeah. Dust gets the paint back on. Like, I think that training school, like, will become... I just think there's going to be some, like, very interesting developments there if the long Cody stays in WWE, because what would have once been effectively AEW's performance centre is no longer the case. You're just going out there to be a a trainee, you know? We uh, have seen reports earlier on this week, Sage, about Sheamus's contract potentially running out in the first half of 2024. Same with people like Becky Lynch and Drew McIntyre. Um, a little bit of speculation around those as well. But you and I were talking about another former world champion that could be really interesting if he made the jump over to AEW, and that's AJ Styles. Yeah, AJ Styles. I get nothing out of watching him in WWE anymore. Like, Obviously, his best athletic years are behind him. And when I watch him on WWE TV, yes, he is now currently embroiled in a rivalry with Jimmy Uso. That has coincided with SmackDown's decline over the last few weeks. I don't necessarily think AJ is at fault, but he does not feel like the man that he was in 2016 and 2017. I feel like it's been a pretty middling few years for AJ Styles, in truth, where he can barely piece together what he did because so few of it would make 
a highlight reel. So few of it would make like a really good chapter and a potential documentary on his career. Like what's he been doing? Realistically, the edge feud wasn't very good. The injuries have caught up, so he's been a more fitful presence. Um, even dating further back, like the Ricochet feud and what was it, 2019? Mm-hmm. Wasn't particularly good. Like he's, he's, the second half of his WWE career has been nowhere near as good as the first. They don't seem to need him. I'm watching him work Finn Balor on SmackDown and the crowd response. He's not, he doesn't feel like a big star anymore. And, you know, he's got so many potential narrative opportunities mm-hmm. in AEW. He could hide how the best thing I've seen AJ Styles do in recent months was that four way for the number one contender to the mm-hmm. US title. I can't remember exactly who else was in it, but because you had to pick a spot and just enter and exit the match at various different moments. He looked explosive, up for it. It was an exciting match. Basically, he could do some wonderful work in that AEW trios division. And I know that sounds sacrilegious. You probably want to push him as a single star as well, but I just, I don't know. Him and WWE, it's very, very familiar at this point. And that's what should be good Mm. about having two mainstream competitors. He has been in that system now for seven years, and he's never come close to rivaling the first three. He is, that's what you should be doing, jumping. Yeah. He's ready for a jump, absolutely ready for a jump. It's There's something very nice, like, about AJ Styles ending up in AEW, if only for a brief period, because for the longer, like, he's a guy that represents all the various landscape shifts. He yeah. was supposed to break through in WCW, and it shut down. So he broke through in TNA, which was never really a challenger brand, but it was the closest in North American mainstream to it. When he kind of does absolutely everything there is to do in TNA, he goes and he makes it, like, improbably in New Japan, I would yeah. say. Not liked in his first IWGP run, and then kind of... They just didn't really see him as a big star. Yeah, and like, considering he beat Okada in the first match, it was a bit... Like, kind of... Well, puzzled, but he basically, the very next match, yeah. he got them. Kind of had to just like he was ref- awesome in New Japan. He kind of had to reframe, and that's his- because he jumped and reinvented himself. Yeah, yeah and well, it was like refreshing. It doesn't really get talked about that the re- one of the reasons he left TNA, which should have held on to him forever, is because they lowballed him. Yeah, even they didn't Jeez. see the value in him. He had a lot to reframe about his reputation, and then did again because he was kind of being heralded as a modern day Sting. He's never going to get to WWE, and he did, and he wins the belt, and he does all this, and now he's as embedded a WWE superstar as anybody still on that roster. And so it's. Boring. Yeah. So to do it again in AEW feels like, well, yeah, he's absolutely the guy that goes there and just repositions himself every time. And that's ignoring, like, the fact that, like, you know, even in 2023, there's new Bullet Club stuff happening that people have got on board with in terms of the bing-binging. Like, there's a Kenny Omega match still waiting. Kenny loves AJ Styles. He admires him as much as I think he does any wrestler. (laughs) I'm not on first name terms, I'm sorry. Kenny Omega. (laughs) Kenny Omega pretty much idolizes AJ. He thinks he's incredible. There is as much law in AJ Styles coming in on night one challenging Kenny Omega as there was that people told you about that six man at all in. Kenny Omega booted him out of the Bullet Club, never to be seen again. Kenny Omega credits AJ with sort of showing him a Mm. new path outside of WWE developmental as well. They worked a match in Manitoba um, that Kenny Omega sort of credits with revitalizing his interest in the very industry so they could draw upon that. We've done this podcasting now where I kind of need that thing. Like, we've never had this conversation over the desks, but now I have it on the microphones. I need this move. Yeah. Like, AJ needs to finish up. <laughs> yeah. And move now. Well, let us know who you need to see jump ship in 2024 in the comment section or on X. Uh, and make sure you subscribe to our new What Culture Wrestling podcast channel. My thanks to the Dadly Boys. Thank you for joining us. And we will see you soon. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.